Hello everyone, it's Zach Perlstein, the Editor-in-Chief of the Boardwalk Times. And today on Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel, we are going to be doing a very special episode. For the first time ever, we are venturing outside of the MCU and into Sony's Spider-Verse. Today, we will be discussing Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. So who's joining me on this very special episode? Joining me is Boardwalk Times columnist and podcast host, Muska Alomi. Hi. Nice to have you back on, Muska. Good to be back. And also joining us today on the pod is a recurring guest, and he's also a senior writer and editor at The Direct. It's Richard Nebbins. <laughs> What's up, Zach? Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's good to be here. We got a, a great movie to talk about. A fantastic movie, and I can't wait to dive into it. But before we discuss Spider-Verse, here at Boardwalk Times, we've, ex- we've expanded with Boardwalk Store and our goal is to create the greatest merch in the multiverse. So if you haven't already, go check out Boardwalk Store. It's your official destination where you can buy Boardwalk Times merchandise and other fandom-inspired apparel. Step into a new era of fandom fashion by visiting boardwalktimes.store. Now on to Spider-Verse. Obviously, spoilers ahead for this film. We're going to be openly talking about it, breaking it down. So just major spoilers ahead. And I really think we should just start this off with after you two watched this film, what was your initial reaction like straight coming out of the theater? What was that like? What was that reaction? I think the like right after the film ended, I it was like shock. I think I heard someone drop the F-bomb in the theater actually, too. (laughs) They're like, what the? (laughs) I I was like, that's a pretty, pretty solid reaction to the end because by the end of the sh- like the movie, I was like, this is getting really long, and they like still haven't gotten to like the central conflict. So I was really confused as like how this was going to be resolved. And so when it like the music started building up, I was like, wait a minute, is it ending? Is it ending right now? And then it ended, and I was just absolute shock, disbelief. But I walked out of the theater like so happy. I don't know why, but I was just so giddy because I obviously know that it was because it was a phenomenal movie, but it was just like that like feeling of I'm so excited for like the next one. I'm so excited for this trilogy. And I haven't had that in a while with Marvel. Yeah, I mean, if if I can go, I mean, I think you were going to ask like what the uh, what the feeling was at the end of it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's funny to me, this compares, I had the same kind of reaction to this as I did at the end of Avengers Infinity War. Um, Like everybody in the theater, like you were saying, Muska, like I think a couple F-bombs got dropped uh, and they're just like, what the, at the end, especially because like you didn't know necessarily how this one was going to end. Kind of like I didn't know Infinity War was going to end either, but uh, this one was just beyond insane um like i mean it really sets up a lot of big like plot points and battles and plot development for the third one um and i, I think really my only complaint about this movie i said this on twitter is that we have to wait 10 months for for the next one to come out cuz i just wanted to keep going i would have sat through another another 2 hours of movie like right then just to just to see what happens so um i mean obviously i can't wait for the third one but this one was really truly special in its own right too I feel like I had the same as the both of you in my theater. I think everyone was just kind of in like this awe. And Richard, I'd love the Infinity War 
comparison because it really kind of felt like that in a way where it's like, wow, you know, this was part one, but now now we're in the end game now, basically, yeah. <laughs> for the Spider-Verse. Because, I mean, when you see Gwen Stacy start to form the band, you're like, oh, snap, this is going to get crazy. Like, that was me in the theater. I was just pumped. I think the whole world agrees where I think Spider-Verse back in 2018, it like only made like 30 million-ish its opening weekend. And now a couple of years later, it's over 120 million on its opening weekend. So it's like, that's a multiple on multiple. Like I think the general public has spoken that it's like, they love these films. So, I mean, beyond the Spider-Verse, I think it's one of the most anticipated, not just animated films of all time, but superhero films of all time. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I mean, I think I think I saw something that this made more in its opening weekend than Guardians of the Galaxy three did. And uh, personally, Guardians of the Galaxy three is one of my top three MCU movies. And and I think this one deserves it. Like even if it, even if it came close to what Guardians did, that's still beyond an impressive feat. In this film, we see Miles, as we were talking about, like there's so many things they set up for the next one. But like in this film specifically, we see the Spider Society with Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099. But we also have a conflict with this multiverse villain called The Spot. And he starts off as – and this is a great twist in my opinion. They Miles literally calls him villain of the week, basically just demeaning him because he's not a real villain. But the villain of the week is becoming the villain of this trilogy. And – I think that's going to be a pretty insane arc, but honestly, Beyond the Spider-Verse has a lot of things boiling, but in this film, we just saw so many conflicts come about, and it was just kind of crazy to watch how the animators and writers were just interweaving all these conflicts and how it like all just kind of came together at the end. Yeah, I think that like the first one, I do want to agree that they built it up really well. Because at the beginning, you're not really taking him seriously, Spot. And honestly, it the music as well kind of builds. It like, like it's like, oh, playful, fun. You know, he's trying to get rid of this villain before he has to go into like with a parent teacher conference. Um and with all of that like happening and it's just playful and funny and he's not even that spot isn't even that serious he's just like i had this my first robbery just let me take it there's like a lot of you know fun interactions and we're meant to see it as the audience you know something that's not really serious and i think like that was really smart to take that one person our villain and um underestimate him consistently as an audience and as miles and then have it like escalate to the point where you can't you can't change anything. So I thought that was really brilliantly done. And I just loved like the whole sequence when he in the first half when it like, you know, escalates to the point where he's like, "Oh, I I can make myself stronger and even more powerful." And I think like that's just like that's like the inkling pun intended um <laughs> of uh, of when you're like, oh, okay, maybe this is bad. Like, maybe we should be taking this seriously. And this film, I think, did just such a great job with its stunning animation. I think there were so many intriguing techniques that the animators used. Every universe 
was different in its style and just all the little details that they were able to pull off within this film. I really do think people will be studying this one for a long time because there's just so many things that I don't think you can catch on a first viewing. But also there's some things that I think you would almost have to read a book or like pause at certain moments to just notice. But like just I, I just couldn't believe some of the things I was seeing because it was just such a well done movie like just the animation the concept just how it just all came together i mean i was just really blown away by it but like as a fan of animation i'm like uh the first into the spider-verse like really made all these animation studios go oh crap we have to kind of start doing different styles again we can't just go for photorealistic realism every time but now i think after across the spider-verse that bar has been raised again and I just – I can't wait to see what the repercussions are for the fans and the audience of all these animation studios because it's like I really do think it's going to be back to the drawing board after seeing this film because, I mean, they did that good, that good. Yeah, and, and like what were you – what you were saying about like them doing new things in this movie that weren't done in the first movie. The first movie looked incredible. Like that was a new step in animation. That one truly felt like a comic book come to life. I think probably more than any movie TV show or anything that we've gotten from Marvel DC or anybody, at least in our lifetime. Um, and then this one just took it to a, a whole crazy new level um, I mean, especially like the spot helped um, going to Miguel O'Hara's world with all the different spider people, the spider society and everything, um, all the different you know characters that they brought in from different TV shows and movies and comic books and everything. Um, I mean, I know we got plenty to get into with some of those major, major cameos later, but um, but you no, know, they did such a good job um, with it visually that I mean. If this doesn't win some kind of award, or like at the Oscars or at somewhere, I'm going to be shocked. I mean, I think the first one won Best Picture or Best Animated Picture at the Oscars, and this one sure as hell has a chance next year. This one should win Best Animation, but I think the bigger question is, will the Academy give this a Best Picture nod? Because it's not unheard of for an animation film to get a Best Picture nod. I mean, Beauty and the Beast, I'm pretty sure got it back in the day. I think Up even did. So, I mean, yeah. there is a possibility. It, I think it really depends on what other films come out this year because there could be some really good films in the back half of the year that could totally send this down the rankings. But to me, I'm very intrigued because I feel like this one might have a shot at more awards than a superhero film would typically get. At least just from first watch, I'm like, th this one just kind of feels different i feel like there might be some momentum behind it i don't know barbie's coming out this year so <laughs> you have to be careful you're, you're right i i spoke too soon because that's gonna be the next big thing i i i did yeah. see something on twitter this morning asking why people are what people are seeing between barbie and oppenheimer on opening day I am mostly leaning barbie i think personally and not like not like oppenheimer isn't gonna be amazing a, I'm not sure I'll be able to sit through a, I think it's a three hour and 10 minute film right now. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, Barbie's going to be, Barbie's going to surprise people, I think. Uh, I mean, I, I know think a, so a lot of us are on the train already. I yes. think it's going to be really fun. Yeah. Um. No, but like in seriousness, yes. <laughs> I I think that 
uh, Across the Spider-Verse definitely deserves a nod. I don't know if they'll give it. I definitely think they'll get a um, Best Animation nomination. Oh, better. But yeah. I think, yeah, I like just... I think you'd have to be really dull or like, I mean, the Oscars, I wouldn't put it past them to be quite honest, but like just sitting in the theater, there was points. And I think like I felt it specifically when Gwen comes back into her universe or gets sent back to her universe and the moment with her dad where it was like, I was like trying to figure out what animation style it was. Watercolor. But Yeah. Okay. Yes. Watercolor. Yeah. Because Sorry. <laughs> no thank you it was just so visually stunning and I just kept looking at all the colors and how in different angles the colors would shift and how Gwen's hair would look different under certain lights and it just was like so beautiful like I think I noticed the most with Gwen because like when she would come in with Miles it'd be like a different animation they'd be like next to each other with different animations and so like her hair would change and it'd be like more it either come out more yellow or more blonde or more white and it was just so so fascinating to look at like just like I think every shot was beautiful but just seeing those little details was just so I don't know I'm very glad this is one of those movies that you have to watch in theaters because I'm very glad yes I saw it in IMAX I was like this is beautiful I I'm so happy I did this even though I went alone that's how dedicated I was whoa 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 you didn't tell me that wow that is dedication wow honestly I was like okay I could either wait maybe five days or something until someone's free or someone or I could pester someone to be like hey let's go I want to watch it or I could go on opening night alone and so I was like, I'm going to go Win. opening night alone, wow. even though I had the most two annoying people next to me, but <laughs> it was, it was well worth it. No, that's great. I'm happy you saw it on opening night. I saw it that opening Friday. So I yeah. mean, like, but I, it's funny. I, I usually see these films Thursday night, like opening yeah. night. I don't usually even wait till the Friday which yeah. I know for Beyond the Spider-Verse, I'm going to be there that Thursday night. Because I mean, I'm like, I saw how fast Twitter started like openly talking about like spoilers and stuff. Twitter's the worst with that though. Yeah. Twitter is the worst. Oh TikTok man. Too. I, it's shocking. I mean, I was like, okay, this, ooh, got it. And I also just want to throw in that when we're talking about Barbie and Oppenheimer, I, I am Barbie. I'm on team Barbie for this one. Yes, I, I think too. W- w- what my plan is, my strategy, and I know this, this is multiverse of Marvel. So we sometimes, you know, we go into different world worlds, sidetrack. Um, I think I'm doing Oppenheimer in the morning. If I can convince someone to see it with me, I think that's going to be a challenge, <laughs> but then I'm going to see Barbie at night. I mean, got to, I mean, come on, like yeah. that's yeah. going to be an event. Yeah, for I, sure. Oh my god. I um I will be on a trip when Barbie and Oppenheimer come out and okay. so I will be watching Barbie in New York. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. awesome though. And nice. I, yeah, I'm that's like fun. I'm so excited. And then Oppenheimer, I like I'm with a bunch of other film nerds. Oh, but good. I don't know if we want to 
take three hours out of our New York itinerary? That's, oh, that's, that's true. the question. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of tough. That's <laughs> exactly. a, that's going to be a tough sell. Yeah. So yeah. I think I might have to wait till like Tuesday or whatnot until I watch Oppenheimer. But I am I am planning on watching it, especially since Christopher Nolan has been giving his whole spiel about how you need to watch an IMAX and how it's so visually stunning. 70 millimeter. Yeah, I was like, all right, yeah, cause, okay. Because those are just totally accessible everywhere. Uh-huh, yep. yeah. I, yep. it's, and I also now have AMC, like the A-list. So oh, I'm like, I can watch okay. three movies in a week. Big baller I'm, stuff right here. Yeah, I'm going. Honestly... Yeah. It has been, I'm not, I just got it, so I'm not going to say anything yet, but it has been a game changer because now I'm like actively looking for movies to go watch in theaters. It's free, so I might as well. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, I don't have an EMC by me or else I would, but I frequent like local theaters that are really good. They're really good. But you local know, local theaters I, are better. I will yeah. say that it is better to support your local <laughs> yeah, theaters. We, we, but... we, the local theaters around here. I mean, I I'm I'm really blessed because there is some. I know there's some people who like don't like going to theaters because their local theaters aren't good. Right. Like yeah. you know they're like either messy or they don't have good screens stuff like that. So I'm very lucky with the local theaters. I have, but with Across the Spider-Verse, another very, I would say it's integral to the Spider-Verse DNA is the music, is the rap music, the, just the score that is just so good. And my biggest hot take on the music, and I, I, I don't know, I think you two might disagree with me, is that I think with Gwen Stacy coming to the forefront I wouldn't mind if in Beyond the Spider-Verse, we got more like punk rock songs. Like, can they get Paramore to do something for Gwen Stacy? You know, just something like, I don't know. I mean, the rap is the rap. But to me, I wouldn't mind some punk rock with like Gwen Stacy, you know? I mean, you're talking to you're talking to somebody who literally went to contemporary music school. I have no complaints with that. Um, I I would love seeing some punk rock, like some Paramore, some Green Day, you know, like exactly like all that kind of stuff. I would love seeing that with Gwen Stacy. I, you'd have no complaints for me. Sorry, I was looking at the Spotify playlist. Uh, yeah, I would I would love to see Paramore. We did get a little bit of punk rock. I will say yeah. that with the punk rock um, variant. Yeah you know yeah with, uh, with obi brown yeah yeah spider punk yes that was great that was really really fun and really cool and also very important to the story oh yeah but i definitely agree i love i i will say i love um the rap i also think latin music would be really because you know you know yeah miles is puerto rican right Yes, he is Puerto Rican. I was like, wait, yeah, wait yeah, a minute. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so that would be really cool to have that, you know, integrated into it as well. I think they could do with so many things with music. So far, they are doing great things. I will say this is probably very niche to my content and like <laughs> what I consume. But sitting in the theater and seeing like the music and everything, I really, I really started to be like, okay, the one thing I have to commend Hollywood for is that they do such a good job at just weaving music into the story, not like musical wise, but like just like having songs in the background yeah. and having them be so influential 
that you like feel goosebumps because you're like oh my god like the song is like an inciting emotion out of me I think that with like Stranger Things it created like this huge huge moment in pop culture history and it's just like it's it's very nice and I've I'm currently on the k-drama kick so that is one thing that I have a complaint from where I'm like I wish they could just weave in music to the point where like you know I'm I'm moved to tears yeah because of how amazing that's how I felt in the theaters I was like moved to tears I'm like this is so beautiful <laughs> and it's just because yeah. the song is playing in the background yeah but it, it, if I can take a recent example even with the first two movies being really really good with like the awesome mixes and everything i think guardians 3 did the best job yet of like weaving it into the story and everything yes yeah right and and like i mean especially with uh, obviously the ending song you know florence and the machines and everything um but i i oh my god okay <laughs> that's a perfect that's also what i was thinking of because the last right? time i started crying because of a song was because of guardians of the galaxy volume three I like as soon as yeah. Dog Days started playing, I was like, ah, okay. Yeah, I, exactly. And it literally like affects how you rate a movie as well. Because if that's how the movie ends and you leave the theater with that feeling, you're gonna automatically be like, oh my God, four to five stars. Even if like you had a few problems with the movie, it's just like that <laughs> influx of emotion that you get. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, I, I love that so much because that song, it just made me feel so many things. And what is art if you don't feel? <laughs> so you get into like this whole mindset and it's amazing. It's just such a good job. Okay, I'm going to get off my soapbox, but it was genuinely, <laughs> genuinely the one time I was like, Hollywood films, this is what they mean when they right. say, you know, Hollywood's ahead, even though I don't yeah. believe that, but I still think I'm like, this is, this this core part of it i do agree with no for sure i i agree with the both of you no don't don't apologize that was great like i agree with the both of you because music is such an important part to these films and that's why my hot take with you know hey let's add some punk rock and also i like your idea of you know adding more of the like other flavors of music as well because i mean i think they could do more than just rap because i think it's like Hey, it's a whole Spider-Verse of styles, basically. But yes. now I think it's time we get into the nitty-gritty of Across the Spider-Verse. And that is, they did some insane, I mean, jaw-dropping, caught-me-off-guard type stuff in this film. I mean, the spot, he created a whole bunch of multiverse surprises. The Spider Society was a visual fest because i think you know even if you didn't recognize some of the spider-man in the spider society they were smart enough to actually label them on the screen like peter parked car you know just like little <laughs> little peter parked car god yeah. he's so good L little detail yeah i just started crying laughing little details like that they did so good so i i just have to ask you both when we did this whole when you're watching across the Spider-Verse and the whole sequence with the spot begins where he starts traveling, you know, sticking his head in into different universes, which one made you kind of go like, holy crap, I can't believe they just did that. Definitely Lego, <laughs> Lego land for me. Because Lego. I feel like I was yeah. the, that and the um and uh 
forgot the name, but the Venomverse. No. Oh no! Oh no! I get know what you mean. Yeah, the the Prowler. My God. Yes, the Prowler. The Prowler yeah, yeah. from Tom Holland's universe. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was like, oh my God, that is insane. Like, I just was so shocked to see him there. It was like, it was like childish Campino. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> but Legoland as well, because it was just like, I think like that one was the most joyous for me because I saw it. I was like, oh my God, this makes me so happy. It was just <laughs> so cute. And then I was thinking about rights. I was like, do that the rights to use this and then i was like all right they obviously do. that's what i thought too <laughs> yeah i was like nope. confused I was like, isn't this a thing that's a really good point because obviously lord and miller who helped write and produce spider-verse they did the lego movies right ahead of this but the big thing that i was shocked that that moment even happened because you know this is sony animation and also there's been a few wrinkles in lego's film rights recently where they used to be done at Warner Brothers. Now Universal has the rights. So this was like one of those things where I was just like, whoa, I didn't think this was like possible anymore to even yeah. have like a little Lego sequence. And what's really cool about this Lego scene, and I didn't even know this till after the fact, was that I guess a 14-year-old animated that scene. I did see that. I saw that too. Which, I'm actually wow. shocked. Crazy. Yeah, the talent. Because Crazy. how? Literally how? I, it's, At yeah. 14 years old, I was not animating stuff, I'll tell you that. But no. At 32 I, years old, I'm not animating that. Oh yeah, God. I was like, I don't know what I'm talking about because I still can't. I can do literally After Effects very slowly. And yeah, <laughs> hey, I think I have good. the capability of, yeah. But no, I... I think that was my favorite scene. And I feel like that's also because like there's like the shock factor of like, oh, can they, they can they use Legos? And then afterwards, even finding out that like a 14-year-old animated it was really interesting. I yeah, I was just blown away by the Lego sequence just because it was just so funny too. And I really think they nailed it from the standpoint of if you're gonna do the multiverse, make it different, make it fun. And they really nailed it with, you know, they did the Lego, but then they also kind of did some Mary Poppins stuff with the whole Donald Glover cameo as the Prowler, Miss Chen from the Venom films, even using archival footage from the Andrew Garfield era and the Tobey Maguire era. I thought that was all spectacular. Like, you know, if you have it, kind of use it. And it actually really served the story well when they're talking about all these different things. And uh, another thing that I really love and i'm just kind of i've been still just like laughing about it is i think jk simmons as j jonah jameson he's a nexus being i don't think i think he might be the strongest person in the Mar marvel universe i don't think anyone can play j jonah jameson it's him it's his voice that is true he's just you know, so powerful he's on another level just got the email from uh j jonah jameson like like on peter parker's computer you heard it in his voice. You heard it in J.K. Simmons' voice, and he wasn't even in the movie at all. Um, like at least that's how I did. That's how I how it was for me. I mean, I mean, J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson is probably one of the best um actor character pairings that we've ever seen in a comic book movie. Yeah, agreed. 
And when it comes to all these different spider people, did you two have any specific favorite, like favorite variants that you're like, whoa, can't believe we just saw that person or like, just like, wow, that's a creative use <laughs> of Spider-Man. I think there was a dinosaur. Yes. Yeah, there, was abs- was- there was a T-Rex. There was a T-Rex, yes, Spidey. Yeah. The T-Rex. <laughs> so the animal variants were really interesting to see. Um, I will say, I forgot his name, but the the Indian. Oh, um, Sp- Spider-Man India. Yeah. Havatir Prabhakar, I think. I botched that name, but you <laughs> probably get the gist of it. It's Pavatir Prabhakar, okay. I think. I don't I don't know the enunciation well enough. Yeah. Pavatir Prabhakar, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, how do you spell it? Yeah. Um Yeah, pretty sure it's Pavatir Prabhakar. Okay. Um Yeah, because yeah, I I remember remember when it came on and there's a significant event ha- that happens in it too i was it was just the most entertaining for me because as someone who is a part of the south asian community it was hilarious to hear to just see you know one new york be mumbai so i was like oh okay and second just like him going on his rant about chai tea because i feel the same way <laughs> and, and I was it was just very entertaining to see like that version of Spider-Man and it's just I love oh I re- I just now realized that they probably named him that because of Peter Parker it's like they wanted the PP right um that's that's funny but yeah no they I I love seeing that and then I think Spider-Punk was also really interesting to to see and then Oh, also, yes, um, the mutant spider, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, Spider-Man 2099. Yes, which I want to also comment that in the theaters, because I didn't know Oscar Isaac was in the movie or he was voicing any of the characters, in the movie, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, obviously this character. And then he starts speaking Spanish to Miles when Miles (laughs) is like, oh. And I was like, wait a minute, hold up. I know that voice. I have heard that voice. That voice haunts my dreams. I feel like that's Oscar Isaac. And then he did, I will give him credit. He does a very good job at not sounding like himself. So I was like sitting there. I was like, no, is it Oscar Isaac? And by the end, I was like, no. I could, I know that man's voice anywhere. It's Oscar Isaac. I sat through the credits and I waited. I waited <laughs> to see his name. And when I saw it, I was like, vindication. I knew it. I knew that his, this man's voice was in it. And it made me so happy because Oscar Isaac is like literally in every multiverse movie. Like he's just yeah. everywhere. He's in Star Wars. He's in Marvel. He's in animation. He's in Marvel three different ways. <laughs> That's yes. the funniest part. It's <laughs> yeah. so good. It's so, oh my God, I love it. I, I love you, Oscar Isaac. So thank you for that surprise. Um, yeah, One other one I got to shout out to, the Ben Riley version of Spider-Man, oh, yeah. uh, played by Andy Samberg, who's just like using his using his intense voice that, he, that I've heard so often on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh um, my God. I was, need to rewatch just for that. Yeah. 
that was uh, amazing to me i mean talk about vindication um, <laughs> <laughs> um no but he was great um i loved oscar isaac like, like oscar yeah. isaac was just done with that entire entire thing um we didn't get enough the only my one of my only complaints we didn't get enough of peter v parker uh peter dad parker yeah oh yeah because um, him and mayday was uh was fantastic i agree I want to shout out Insomniac Spider-Man from the PlayStation yes. game. I thought that was a great cameo. I knew it was coming, but it's like I thought that was still a great cameo. And I really liked that there was just so many different variants. Like there was uh, Peter Parker as a hockey player or Spider-Man as a hockey player. I mean, there is just so many different. I, I just I think someday someone will break down each and every one of them visually you know, because it's like there's just so much. And I, I'm just I continue to think to myself. If this is what they were giving away in this film with the chase of miles, all of them chasing after miles, just imagine what what's in store for Beyond the Spider-Verse, like what Spider-Man can show up in that film. I mean, really, the one I think we're all waiting for is Tom Holland, because I know we got like the the nod to him, like, you know, the Doctor Strange and the nerd from Earth 1999-99. Um, but I, I think everybody's expecting him to show up, especially because we got Tobey Maguire and we got Andrew Garfield in this movie. Um, I'll be curious to see if they actually like film any new material for that, like the way Donald Glover did for his cameo. But um, but that's the one I'm really hoping for next time around. I mean, I mean. It's about time. Yeah, I would be really interested to see if Tom Holland was in the movie. I will say, though, I, I was discussing this earlier. I I don't really mind if they don't include anyone from, like, the outside. Like, Spider-Man's. I think it's really fun, I will say. I was really happy seeing Toby and uh, Andrew Garfield. But it was it's one of those things where it's like, if it didn't have it, it's just so good on its own that I would be extremely happy with what they're giving me. I will, now that they have included it though, because we've already passed that threshold, I do want to see Tom Holland as well. I, I'm interested to see what they'll do with him mostly. And I think it, it would, yeah, I'm interested if they'll have a new material for it or just use, you know, the past, which would be fine either way. But yeah. I think more than yeah, more than anything, I just kind of want to see I want to see the story wrap up. I want to see if everything does like they had a whole timeline on how to finish this story because I think it'll show in the last movie. Obviously with this movie we saw how many things connected in the first one. So I'm in, I'm really excited to see if by the third one we'll just be like, "Oh my god. <laughs> everything was connected." <laughs> I definitely think that web is getting tangled. I definitely think there is going to be pun a intended. lot more plans. Yeah, pun intended. Yeah. yeah. I think for Beyond the Spider-Verse, though, obviously I'm in the Tom Holland camp. I would love to see Tom Holland, but I would love Sony to do the unthinkable and pull off some cameos that I don't think anyone's like expecting. I'd love the Japanese Spider-Man from the really old television series to be a character in animation. And also, I would love Universal Studios has its own Spider-Man attraction. I would love that version to show up. I know that would probably be difficult to pull off, but I think if that one showed up, all your theme park fans will be cheering if that happens. Because I just <laughs> oh, think yeah. that would be one of those iconic, you know, can't believe they pulled this off type moments. 
And when it comes to this film, we're also introduced to multiverse logic and different explanations for, you know, like the web of life and destiny and the timeline, which eerily looks similar to the MCU timeline with the white branches. And also we get the explanation over what is a canon event. And I had chills during that whole sequence with Spider-Man India because it's like you knew what was happening. You knew that what a canon event meant, like you knew like a death was coming or something significant in the turning point of a Spider-Man's life was about to happen. And then when it's disrupted, it, I just thought that whole explanation was great and just so just so exciting. And I'm just curious about how the canon event thing works going forward for just Spider-Man. But also, I definitely think there was some MCU logic getting connected in there as well. Yeah, I during that event, I think everyone was starting to figure out what was going on because we see it happen and we already, I'm pretty sure here that like, oh yeah because miles has a flashback or you know he has that like glitch moment where he sees that like this person needs to die and he stops it from happening and i think in that moment what i love the most about superheroes and i love that that's why this is the direction they're going is like the ethical question where it's like you know i forgot the correct term but it's like if you have one person in the trolley or i think it's like the trolley <laughs> problem oh uh, you have one person in the trolley that that will die except you can prevent it but then three other people will die it's it's like you know this never-ending question where it's like someone will die just if it, it if it's the person related to you or if it's these three strangers and I think that introducing that question into this is a just genius move because you invest emotions and you want to support the person going against the canon event. And I think just like that whole sequence where Miles comes up and is like, I'm tired of people telling me how I should live my life. I was like, oh my god, we are in for a treat because what on earth is going on? I literally, yeah, I had chills and I was so excited and it was one of those things that make me geek out and nerd out where I'm like, oh my god, we're going to go into the philosophy and ethics of superheroes (laughs) and what it means to be a superhero and like if this is fair because like to be yeah honestly everyone is saying like this had to happen we all suffered and we all had to go through this so it is like the question like what makes miles different and i think we get our answer too yeah that you know he's different because he wasn't supposed to exist in the first place which was a crazy revelation i will say and i think that is what is probably going to lead him personally to success like I think that's why he'll probably end up succeeding in his endeavors because he wasn't meant to be there in the first place but I am just very intrigued as to how it's going to happen yeah I mean next movie that was set up here and like and and I love that too I love that they explained that Miles never was actually supposed to be Spider-Man in the first place just because of the whole 
you know, spider bite thing and it, it came over from the other universe. And now he has to deal with a, a version of him that's the prowler. That's a whole other, you know, a crazy mind blowing thing that he's going to have to deal with. I mean, I think it, it sets it up great for the start of the next movie to like get right into it and get into the crazy stuff like right from the get go with him versus uh, versus prowler miles. Um but no, and, and like you were saying, I love the the philosophical side of it, like the mental side of it, like like who's supposed to be Spider Man and everything. And um, and no, it, it, there's just so much to think about with this movie, especially because there are so many different Spider Men in it from like all over the universe and the multiverse and everything. And you get so many different points of views on it, and it's it's really interesting. It really makes you think about like what superhero movies are and what they could be. And I also loved how this film's canon event sequence kind of recontextualized No Way Home in a way, if you Mm -hmm. think about it, because Tom Holland's Spider-Man losing Aunt May is his canon event, you know, because in our MCU trilogy, we don't have Uncle Ben. We have Tony Stark. We don't have a police chief. We don't have any of that. So really, his canon event was... Aunt May dying, and then also you have the other Spideys crossing over, and it's just an intriguing concept. The whole canon event thing's very fascinating, and obviously in the MCU, they call it an absolute point in the timeline. At least that's what they called it in What If. So I'm very Mm -hmm. curious to see if Marvel Studios takes a page out of the Sony book, and they just continue to collaborate on the multiverse, because I think that across the Spider-Verse made this digestible for audiences of how how a multiverse should look. Here are the rules. If you break a canon event, that's going to cause you know the universe to die in an incursion. So I think they have something here. And I'm just curious how, obviously, how beyond the Spider-Verse goes, but all the future multiverse titles that are coming up, like Avengers The King Dynasty, Avengers Secret Wars, I think there is just so much potential, and I just hope they look to this film to kind of guide them when it comes to some of these decisions, because I think this film really gives a good roadmap on what they should be doing and, like, what are the stakes? Because I think sometimes with these multiverse films, everyone's like, there is no stakes. But to me, this one had stakes because Miles is like, I don't want my dad to die. You know, I don't I don't care. I'm not going to have my dad die. Like, why would I do that? You know, it's like, why would I just let that happen? You know, so that it causes all this. And I think it's just terrific. And I'm just so excited for the future to see if they build on this. Yeah, it's really hard, I will say, to tell someone that, like, it's an inevitability that someone close to you will die because everyone ultimately knows that. But it's the fact that you could do something to stop it and you are simply told not to. Yeah. I think that is probably the part that Miles just cannot fathom. It's like, how can you tell me as someone who is dedicated to saving people, I can't save my own father because it's supposed to help me become who I am? Like, for me, my like, even putting myself in his position, I would have a really hard time digesting that. Yeah. So I, I just think it was really, really fascinating. And I think especially too, like on that point, when it comes from a bunch of other people that literally do the same thing you do that have been through the same, you know, horrible events that you've been through, um, like 
I assume that every single spider person in that spider society lost somebody important to them. I mean, they had to have it's a, it's their canon event and everything. And they're just telling him that he has to go with it. And, and this is a what a 15, 16 year old kid that they're talking to who would do everything in his power, especially because he has the power to try to stop that. And the fact that it's coming from those people, I'm sure must have it, it makes it hurt even that much more. Yeah, it's especially because he has lost his uncle. Like he technically has had this like something, yeah, 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 that like pushes him to re like this like coming of age event. Yeah, and so I think it is pretty hard for him to be like, no, you have to suffer more. You have to lose (laughs) more. It's in order for you to just you know get to the point where you're Spider Man now. And so that's why I thought it was it was something very relatable. I think audiences can be like, I agree. I would I wouldn't want to do that either. And I loved it. I just it was absolutely, absolutely amazing. And I think that like that's what's gonna make such a compelling story is that we're gonna be emotionally invested and wanting to support Miles on his journey. So obviously this film ends with Gwen Stacy has assembled a band or more importantly, a team. We have (laughs) Peter B. Parker, uh, Spider-Man India, Hobie Brown, Margot Kess. And then we have people returning from Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse like Spider-Man Noir, uh, Penny Parker and Spider-Ham. And to me, that was just such an epic cheer moment. That was just, you know, when they all start to emerge from the darkness together, I was like, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And obviously you have a lot going on for Beyond the Spider-Verse. You have Gwen Stacy and her team, but then you also have Miguel O'Hara, Jessica Drew, and Ben Riley are on Earth 1610. They're kind of scouting out for Miles. But you then have Miles, he's stuck on Earth-42 with a alternate version of himself that is the Prowler, who actually was supposed to become Spider-Man, which that's a blink-and-you-miss-it detail, but Miles mm-hmm. with the braids was supposed to get bit by that Earth-42 spider. So, you know, maybe there's some cross-world jealousy right there. But we have all these things coming into play for Beyond the Spider-Verse. So I now have to ask... What are your predictions for Beyond the Spider-Verse? I know it's early. I know it's tough to even think about predictions because, I mean, we just witnessed some greatness in Across the Spider-Verse. But do you two have any predictions for this major, major film? I think my biggest prediction is that we're going to see the multiverse change. Like, in in ter- I think Miles will create a significant change into how the multiverse is perceived and that those canon events can be changed not all the time obviously but i think in a way that makes sense and i i i personally feel like miles is going to succeed i might be wrong we might end up with the series being like you can't change anything but i have a feeling that we're he's going to succeed and it's going to change the face of the multiverse and it's going to have like a significant play into it and i think that for now is my speculations on what's going to happen but i you know as details come out we might i might have you know even more but for now 
Yeah, I mean, I it's so hard to predict what's what's going to come next time around because I mean, we've obviously got to get the get the resolution to you know miles versus miles. Um, and we we've got that whole team of Spider Men that's going to come after gets both coming after him to get him like the Oscar Isaac side of things, and then I was so happy to also a quick mention that we're getting like the Nick Cage uh, Spider-Man back and uh, Peter Porker, I think was there. And like all the people from the first movie that they did, that they said weren't going to be in the second movie, we're going to get them back. And that's going to be awesome. I can't wait to see those guys again. Um, But I'm so curious to see how they fill like uh, probably a two hour movie with so much more of this multiversal stuff. Like I'm, I'm super worried obviously for, uh, for his dad um just because like he everybody thought he was gonna die in this movie and he didn't and that's obviously still on miles's radar and everything um but there is so much that they could get to um when the movie when everything starts coming out next year i'll be curious to see like how much they actually reveal in the marketing campaign um like i was thinking back to when they did infinity war and endgame they didn't reveal anything about endgame until maybe like a week or two before it it started coming out and um i'm wondering if they're gonna pull the same trick here i think so i think they'll pull that same trick i think they have to because i think this one's gonna be so anticipated it's gonna be so like what i said i really do think it's gonna be one of the most anticipated animated films but also um superhero films of all time i really do i think it's there's gonna be some significant momentum behind it I don't know if it will keep that March release date, though. I could see them shifting it to the summer so there's more time to just get some things done, get the story right. But I do have three predictions for Beyond the Spider-Verse, and I'm curious to see your guys' reactions to them because two are for the movie and one's for, like, the outside world. Like, the effect of this film on the outside world is, one, for Beyond the Spider-Verse – I think we're going to see a scene where Gwen Stacy actually falls like a classic Gwen Stacy fall scene, but miles will save her. I think that's almost a lock. I think there'll be a twist though. I mean, because as we've seen, they start to change that up more second. I think if Tom Holland does do a cameo, he's going to end up fighting Miguel O'Hara just because I think that's your natural, you know, they're going to get into some multiverse, you know, shenanigans. They're going to try to beat each other up. Um, The third one, which it's not related to Beyond the Spider-Verse, it's more of a general overview, is that I really do think that Sony, after seeing this film, is going to decide that their live-action Spider-Verse needs to be developed from the same team that did this film. They're going to decide that Lord and Miller, if they want this gig, can be their version of Kevin Feige, their version of James Gunn, and they can build out their own kind of live action spider verse where all this like craven and elmerto all this is a smoke screen but behind the scenes they're up to work on that live action miles morales live action gwen stacy live action miguel o'hara spider-man 2099 that's just my take i think they have a route here to take and i wouldn't be surprised if they do say to marvel studios yeah you can have tom holland you can do Peter Parker and all those stories, but we'll we'll take the people we just made extremely popular and across the Spider-Verse. I think it'll <laughs> honestly be a a surprise if they don't try to get into that money bank because I feel like Marvel's probably like hitting their head against the wall right now. They're like, 
because I just feel like they know that this is going to be on the table now for negotiations and I'm sure they're going to have to decide if this is going to create more money for them if they take it or if it's it just is making money because of the creators and I feel like it I have a huge problem with like big studios like this because I feel like it takes the creation and the uh creativity out of it but I I am very interested to see yeah the negotiation process on what's going to happen but I would not be surprised if what you say comes true it's, this is just such an insane movie to think about like like with the ramifications of what it could do for not only this universe but for other universes um like the way it connected with the live action stuff in this one potentially with the MCU um this could really like be a groundbreaking movie for the entire Marvel universe as a whole going forward and um you know Sony and Marvel have a, a lot to think about with like the way the multiverse is shown on screen through these next few movies and the next few projects and everything. Um, but I do think they have a really good foundation with this story. I do too. And I think we've talked a lot about this film across the Spider-Verse. I think we're all um, unanimous here where it's like, this is such a great film, but before we hit our outros and before you tell the audience where they can follow you at on Twitter, I just have to ask, so where does Across the Spider-Verse rank for you guys amongst amongst all the other Spider-Man films? Oh. And I have to end on a tough one. I'm sorry. You know, the <laughs> predictions question is always too easy. I, my God, I think Into the Spider-Verse is my number one. Okay. I think this would have to be number two. And this is going to be a controversial one. But I think Homecoming is my third. Nope, oh, nope. Okay. All right. Because <laughs> I I love um the original Tobey Maguire Spider Man, but I love the coming of age and eighties feel to Homecoming, where it just feels like quintessential high school teen <laughs> superhero movie. And I think it gets a little co- more complicated after that. Sure. With No Way yeah. Home and everything. Yes. Um, but. I, th- I I think I'll stick to that. It might switch, but it, I still stick to those three. Fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. I have I have Homecoming. I think is probably like my four, my fourth in terms of Spider Man movies. But my top three, I think I can't pick an order right now. But it's No Way Home, Age of the Spider Verse, and this. Um, I think I think that might be my order for now. But I I could possibly switch this one and into the Spider Verse at at some point. I I have to, I have to see it again. But there's there's That's a chance it, there's a chance it could go up to number two for me. Makes sense. I have to rewatch more. I have to rewatch into the Spider Verse now and across the Spider Verse. But gut reaction after this film, I actually have the Holland trilogy ahead of this, and then across okay. the Spider Verse. Wow! So I have it that fourth. Is surprising. Yeah, I have it fourth. I know. Awesome. I know it's surprising after I just like praised this film for like an <laughs> hour. But like I, that's still my take. Um, at least for now, and I'll have to say, yeah. I think Beyond the Spider Verse has a shot to really, you know, shake things up. But this is my second favorite film of the year. I have Guardians slightly ahead of this, just okay. by like they're like they're like on top of each other, basically. One at one and one A. <laughs> yeah, and then you know the problem is could be when Barbie comes out in July and just crushes <laughs> both of them and goes to I'm number saying. one. Greta Revolution, man. 
Yeah. I actually have, um, weirdly enough, I have two movies on my list that I think are going to really <laughs> influence my, you know, overall list on what my favorite movie is of this year. I feel like last year was super easy. I watched everything everywhere all at once four times in theaters. So that one took the cake by a mile. But this <laughs> time around, I loved Guardians. I love um, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Oh, yeah. Okay. It would, if you ha- guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend. And so those, and then obviously, yeah. It, forgot which, in I keep saying across the Spider-Verse, into the Spider-Verse. Beyond the Spider-Verse. Okay, this is across the Spider-Verse. I was like, well, there's yeah. three names, guys. Bear yeah. with me. But across the Spider-Verse currently are my like top three movies of the year but with barbie past lives and oppenheimer i'm not quite sure i don't know i don't think oppenheimer will be anything just because personally it's not my cup of tea i do think it'll be visually stunning but i don't think it'll be that kind of movie that like shakes me up and makes me you know think about life or whatnot oh wow yeah yeah so i i I think that's probably i have a lot of movies this year that i think that like have the potential to be great but i will say yeah two movies recently i they're like spider-man or superhero related which is shocking to me because last year i was not about any superhero (laughs) movies at all yeah richard muska it was nice to have you both on the podcast again and where can the audience follow you at on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at Muska Lumi, M-U-S-K-A-O-L-U-M-I, or on Instagram. And based on what content you want, I can either do I can either give you my main Instagram or my bookstagram, which I think probably is where I talk the most about pop culture and social media, which is booked by Moose, B-O-O. K-E-D by M-U-S. Nice. And then for me, um, I'm at Richard Nebens, N-E-B-E-N-S on Twitter, Instagram, um, Reddit. I don't I don't post much on like Instagram, Reddit and stuff. You can find me mostly on Twitter, you know, share my articles and everything. And um, yeah, you can find me mostly writing about Marvel, DC, Star Wars. The direct's actually getting into a lot more like general movies and stuff too. So we've been covering a lot of Barbie. We'll be covering Transformers. I'm actually doing the um, Transformers review this week on Ooh. the direct podcast. Um, teaming up with my buddy Matt Remke while uh, our fellow co-host is getting married. So that'll be a that'll be a good time. And uh, yeah, you can find me there working my butt off and uh, get some hopefully good stuff for me just about every day. Fantastic. And we have some exciting plans here in the works at Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel. So follow and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Our weekly Disney Plus series after shows will return in June with Scrawl Season, a secret invasion after show podcast. We will also be covering Loki in October, Echo, the Marvels, and whatever else Marvel Studios throws at us in 2023 on top of even more bonus episodes, which will include previews, rankings, drafts, deep dives, and more. For more Marvel content, head over to BoardwalkTimes.net or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Boardwalk Times. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review.